0: Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bosier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Amen. Somebody say amen. Yes. This coming week, the Word of the Lord tells us there's some things that just don't happen. In fact, the disciples came one day to the Lord and uh, they said, How come we can't cast out these devils? And the Lord told them, he said, there's some things that only happen through prayer. And oh Jesus, that four-letter word fast. It is it's a grind on our spirits. And but the word of the Lord says there's things that just don't happen except from fasting. Now this isn't my sermon today, but I thought I'd take just about three or four minutes here and share with you about fasting that maybe some of you need a little clarification on, especially if you're new to the body of Christ here or to the Pentecostals of Bossier. In the Word of God, there were three, really three different types of fast. The first one was a supernatural fast. Everybody say supernatural. This was actually 40 days without food. Now, I would challenge you not to aspire to this fast. There was only three in the Word of God. Moses twice, Elijah once, and Jesus Christ himself one time. Now, if you feel like you're on that level, more power to you. But uh, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm saying it's extremely rare. And you better make sure that you got an angel that showed up in your bedroom that you can get your hands on, that has told you to take one of these particular fasts, which is a supernatural fast. Then we have what was called the absolute fast. There were occasions in the Bible where people went without food and liquids, and it was very for a very short period of time. You find this, that Paul did it, Ezra did it, and Esther did it. Our bodies can go for a number of days without food, but we cannot go very long without water. And that is a rare fast as well. But a fast that is spoken of a lot more times is a partial fast. The greatest example of this is Daniel. He ate no meat Or delicacy for 21 days some churches they fast caffeine for a week now what I'm going to tell you if you're addicted to caffeine and if you choose you're going to fast caffeine I will admonish you don't get close to people for your first day (laughs) go somewhere by yourself go to the park because nobody wants to deal with you when you're coming off that caffeine rush Caffeine, some places they do without sugar for a week. And that's hidden sugar also. Now, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be real spiritual. I don't want you, we don't want you to fast artichokes this week. (laughs) Most of you are not going to have a problem fasting artichokes or sauerkraut or something like that. Pick something that you know it's going to be an issue. Some of you may want to fast lunch. For two or three days. Maybe a couple of meals a day. But basically in the Greek, if you really study the word fast, it is to inflict pain. Somebody say pain. I don't know about you, I'm addicted to food. I love to eat. And a lot of times Pentecostal people get accused of loving to eat. But I've been to restaurants and there's a lot of folks that like to eat. So we're all in the same boat. But pick something. Maybe you want to go on an absolute fast for a day this week. And maybe you'll fast caffeine for a day. Some of you, maybe two or three days. But whatever it is, pick that and get after it. Because we're separating ourselves for the kingdom of God. Everybody wanting revival? Amen. How many want to see signs and wonders and miracles? The important thing is that you set your affection on things that are above. It's all about turning our gaze to the heavens. Always mix your fasting with a season of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Shall we stand together? I'm going to turn your attention to the word of the Lord this morning. And we're going to get into the word of the Lord For the next few moments, I'm going to Joshua chapter 24 today. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and I'll let you be seated, and then I may read a couple of more verses. Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel and for, and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old times. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nikar. And they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to That which I did among them, and afterwards I brought you out. Somebody say brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto, unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwell in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwell on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. What Joshua's doing, he's taking a young group of people. He's taking some youth that was not there when it all happened. He's taking them back to this place called Shechem. And he is reminding them of how good God has been to them through the years. Let's ask the Lord to help us together. Thank you, Father, for your great word today. We ask you to make it rich to our hearts. We pray you put a seed in our spirit. We pray that you'd encourage somebody in the Holy Spirit today. And we give you glory and honor and praise for everything that's done. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you so kindly for standing. I am preaching from the subject back to Shechem. When you look at verse 14, I'm skipping down if you have your Bible still open. We read verses 1 through 8. We actually could read the entire chapter and really belabor the point. But I want to go down to verse 14. And I want you to see here what the scripture says. It says, now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him. Now understand the setting. Joshua was speaking to this young group that wasn't there when it all happened. He says, I want you to fear the Lord. And I want you to serve him with sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites and whose land you are dwelling in right now at this very moment. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. What Joshua is doing to this little group of people, I guess it's not a little group, this large group of people in this particular chapter, is he wants them to come to an understanding of the magnitude of what they are a part of and how that... They come to the place that they are now, that land of promise. And before he can get them to understand that, he has to go retrospectively back to the things that they had experienced in times past. So he's trying to make that connection. And he's trying to bring it all together of what had happened to them. And he's trying to not only get them to understand the things of their past, but he's trying to give them a vision of what God can do in their future. He really has a, really, when you study it, it really was trying to raise their level of confidence. Somebody say confidence. It's to raise their level of confidence in God. Now let me tell you another word for confidence that I particularly personally believe, and that's the little word called anointing. The anointing gives confidence. For example, I personally, when I grew up, I never aspired to a pulpit ministry. In fact, my mother one time wanted me at the age of 18 to speak to her Sunday school class of about 25 people. I broke out in a serious rash on my neck. I started hyperventilating. I lasted about 10 minutes. As you can tell, I done really got over that, haven't I? I lasted about 10 minutes, about passed out, and I told her I don't think I ever want to do that again. But there was another time that I had an opportunity to speak, and I still was shaking. My legs, my knees were shaking. My hand was shaking like this. The microphone was doing like this. And something came over me, and it was called the anointing. And it gave me what I call confidence to look people in the eye and speak a word to them. Because the anointing causes us to have confidence. By informing these group of people, Joshua was informing them of what God had done in their past. He was trying to give them some faith for what God wanted to do in their future. He wanted them to understand the place that God is taking us is not that big a deal. Because God has done so much for us in the yesterday, I know he can do it in our tomorrow. And he's taking this group of people that wasn't there to experience all of that. And he's showing them, and I'm hoping somehow and some way I can do the same thing today that Joshua did for those people that were there that day at Shechem and show you that this word that we preach to you and the Bible that we speak to you, this is more than just a history book. This is more than just a few good stories that happened centuries ago. But it is something that is alive. It is living in the present moment. That if this Red Sea story is not just a story that's cute to tell in Sunday school. But if God can bring them out some years ago, he can bring you out of the mess you're in on this Sunday. Does anybody believe that? Clap your hands like you believe that today. Come on, somebody. Do you believe in a God that has the ability to affect your present situation and your present moment? Oh, let's praise him. Let's take about 15 seconds here and thank God for his ability to be alive and well in the present moment. The word of God said he is a very present help. I said he's a present help in the time of trouble. Amen. Thank God that he's alive today. To do something in our lives and in our spirits. And I I want us not only to just look at this particular passage that I read. And see what Joshua is saying to this group of people. But I want us to pay attention to where Joshua is speaking these words. At Shechem. Very interesting. Because if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in the passage that says choose you this day you will serve oh yeah we all we know that particular passage and we we love to preach that and we love to speak that but if we're not careful we'll miss the fact that these words are spoken at a place called Shechem if you go back in time you will find out that when Abraham broke free from the Ur of the Chaldeans He was looking for a city, for a country, whose builder and maker was God. And the first altar that he built was in Shechem. So when Joshua was wanting to make a connection with what was about to happen to what had happened... He takes this group of people back to the place where Abraham built that first altar. And he begins to talk to this people who are living in the promise. He begins to talk to them about the promise that had been given to Abraham years earlier. And he brings them back to where the promise was initially given to them. He takes them to a time when there was no promise. There was only a faith in the promise. And it was at Shechem that God spoke to Abraham and said, I am going to multiply you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bring nations through you. And I'm going to do some special things for you, Abraham. It was at Shechem that he got this promise. And now generations removed from that day, that promise, Joshua circles all the way back around to where it all began. And sometimes you've got to go back to where it all started to appreciate where you've actually gotten to. And what I have found out is that many times to go forward, i got to take a few steps backwards. And take a look at where God has brought me from. Let me just drop something in your spirit today and tell you that progress is rarely a straight line. Very rarely do we go from A to B. There's some ups and there's some downs. There's some turn to the left, turn to the right. Very rarely do you make progress a straight line. Do you realize that 90% of the people that are successful today didn't start there? They wasn't raised with a silver spoon in their mouth. They started out with nothing And they just started being faithful in the ups and in the downs. They were faithful in those ups and downs for a long, somebody say a long, long long period of time. Until they finally broke through. But it was a long time before they finally broke through. They kept doing the things that mattered. And they never stopped, no matter how bad the day was. Come on, this is how you have a successful marriage. You don't stop, no matter how bad the last 24 hours was. Just keep being faithful. Keep being faithful. Controlling yourself. Don't go, on all, don't go all crazy on them. Just because you had a bad 24 hours or you had a bad last five minutes, somebody ticked you off. I'm telling you, somebody can tick you off driving down the road and you can make a stupid decision that will affect the rest of your life. And if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to learn how to have a few little hiccups along the way and keep your emotions intact. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. Things happen in life, and we have to decide how we're going to respond to those things that happen to us, and how we respond determines the trajectory of our lives. It determines the level of success that we achieve over a period of time. Our lives just don't get better because the pastor wants our lives to get better. Our lives don't get better because our mom and dad want our lives to get better. Our lives don't get better because your grandparents want your life to get better. Things happen when you personally decide this is going to change. And my life is going to be different from this day forward. You've got to decide yourself whether I get support from anybody or anything I've made up my mind. Things are about to change. That's when your life gets better. You can't just have people propping you up all your life and expect for your life to be a success. And too many people fall in love with the one-event mentality where that you think if you just had one event in your life, your whole life would change. Hear me and hear me well. One event will not change your entire life. You can come here and fall on the floor and we lay hands on you and you can talk in tongues like a Chinaman. And get up and leave out of here and not one time experience life change. Because just because you had a good church service doesn't make you the Apostle Paul. Some of you think if you run around the church seven times, you're going to be John the Baptist or something. Hear me. It's about lifestyle. It's not about a Sunday morning talking tongues. It's about you living it on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. It's every day of your life. Come on, somebody. When are we going to decide? I'm going to be a Christian on Monday and on Tuesday, and on Thursday, and on Friday, and your life is about more than a Sunday from 10 to 11.30. You know, we think, well, if I got this one thing going on, whoo, if I could just win the lottery. If you got a jacked up mentality, winning the lottery is not going to fix you. You can't help people that's stuck on stupid. We can counsel you all week long. We can talk to you in about three, four hour day sessions. And you never change. Because until you decide, something's going to happen. Nothing happens. I wish somebody believed what I'm preaching to you right now. You need to go full circle and you need to be thankful for how far you have come. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be and you're more blessed today than you ever have been. (laughs) Clap your hands, all ye people, and lift up your voice and shout unto God. The reason why people are sick of Christians is because we have relegated Christianity from 10 to 11.30 on Sunday. And everybody acts like a bunch of morons on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. And come back and get a spiritual fix on such Coming to church on Sunday does not make you a Christian. To be a Christian, you have to be Christ-like. And being Christ-like is daily. I said it's daily. It's when you get up on Monday. Your attitude's different. It just don't happen with one event. They were asking Serena Williams, who had won 22 Grand Slam tennis tournaments. She had won 22 of them. And they said, how is it that you're able To withstand the pressure of a Grand Slam. How is it that you're able to encounter it with such confidence? And you know what her answer was? She says, well, I have played a lot of tennis. You know how you get confidence? You pray a lot of prayers. You know how you get to be faithful to God? You show up to church every time the doors are open. Come on, somebody. You don't turn into a good Christian just here a little and there a little. You're a good Christian because you've got a daily, daily walk with God. We can't make church a once a month and gain the confidence that we need to face the pressures of life. It's not just one prayer. It's a lot of little prayers over and over and over again. And it's got to be more than just somebody laying hands on us. We got to get something praying for ourselves. Somebody thinks, well, if I can get the preacher to pray for you. I'm going to tell you, the preacher praying for you is not going to do you any good if you don't pray yourself. I have prayed for more people that never opened their mouth and said a word. I can tell you right now, my prayer didn't do them any good. You've got to get initiated in this thing. You've got to get activated. Come on, faith without works is dead. You can't have a live spirit and a dead faith. You've got to have something inside of you that gets your spirit activated in the process. I can't want you to go to heaven more than you want to go to heaven. You can sit there and worry a wart on your brain trying to get everybody to do right. That don't want to do right. And if they don't want to do right, it don't matter how much you want them to do right, you lose. Look at somebody and say, I can't change you. Look at them again and say, I've been trying. (laughs) My wife's been working on me for 20 years. (laughs) About the time I think I've got her to give up, she starts something else. (laughs) And the assumption many times is that God's going to take us from where we are To where we need to be and it's going to be a straight line. There's not going to be any left turns, no right turns. There's going to be no ups and downs. This is why Abraham missed the promise. Because he thought it was going to happen like this. And God had a few little hills and valleys to walk him through. And sometimes we think that if we get rid of maybe this or that. And we take care of this and we take care of that situation. Let me tell you something about life. It's never a straight line. I'm going to say it again. Forgiveness is not a straight line. Forgiveness is not just A and B. It's going to be some ups and downs in the forgiveness process. I mean, you think about the children of Israel. They're out walking in a wilderness, going around in circles for 40 years. And then when they come up out of the wilderness, they come to the walls of Jericho, and guess what God says? Walk around in some more circles. We've walked enough circles we've been walking around for 40 years have we not circled enough and you're asking us to go seven times around the wall and on the seventh day go seven more times around the wall they could have really got an attitude and aborted the miracle some of us we think well you know we've been to church let's see I've been every Sunday morning since January the first and I still feel like junk I thought my life was going to change just because I would just been walking around this thing for three weeks now. It talk about being faithful on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. Just because we're circling does not mean we're stuck. Joshua had to learn that sometimes what God's doing in us is more important than what we're asking God to do for us. Sometimes we have to go back to Shechem, go back to where we started. We have to allow God to take us back to where we started to show us that we're stronger now than we were then. And sometimes it's when we get back to the bottom That we take inventory of how high God has raised us. And basically all God is telling Joshua is the land that your fathers look forward to. You're living in it. You're in it. Do you realize we can live in stuff that we take for granted? And sometimes we have to go full circle and we have to go back to where we started so that we can appreciate how faithful God has been. Has anybody found him to be faithful today? I said he has been faithful. I said he has been faithful. Some of you are a far cry from where you used to be. Somebody needs to have a flashback in your spirit and you need to get a thankfulness in your heart and say look what the Lord has done. I wonder if we can praise him right now for what he has done in our spirits. Some of you need to thank God for the divine favor that's been on your life and on your family and on your children. Thank you, God, for doors that open for me to walk through Some of you, you don't just need to thank God for the favor and those doors that opened. Some of you need to thank God for the doors that he kept shut. Some of you need to just praise God for the mess he kept you out of. When you tried to get that door to open and it would not open and God was saying no, he was looking out for your good every step of the way. You need to be thankful. God, thank you for not giving me what I was asking for because I would have made a mess of it. Some of you need to thank God for doors open and doors shut. You sometimes the miracles and stuff we don't see. Things that don't happen. Case in point today, think about your heart that's beating in your body. The only time you probably would think about it, the thing wasn't working. A buddy of mine called the other day and said, Heart was beating like forty-one beats a minute. Now to me that sounds low. He said it had been as low as thirty-six. He's forty-three years old. They're talking about a pacemaker. He said I might be the youngest man with a pacemaker. I don't know. He had something going on in his thyroid, and he, he it's messing with his heart rate. They got to get his all medication and stuff all fixed. But he, I wouldn't think about how much my heart beat until he started talking to me about it. <laughs> then I started thinking. I was like holding and had my watch and I was like counting, trying to figure out where a pulse is or something. I always run a little hot. I had no problem running low. Mine's always sky high. Mine, I, barely, I couldn't relate to 40 beats a minute. He said he ought to live twice as long to me as me because his heart beats half, half as much. But do you realize if you're a healthy individual today, your heart's beating about 2,000 gallons of blood through your body and it's only as big as your fist. And it'll probably, if you are healthy, beat about 100,000 times today without us even thinking about it. During the next hour, your heart will beat 4,000 times, and you're praying, I hope it doesn't beat 4,000 times during this sermon I'm listening to. (laughs) Pumping blood through over 60,000 miles of blood vessels. And we haven't really even thought about it. So sometimes we have to lose something to really begin to appreciate things that we normally don't see. None of us can make a trip back to Shechem without leaving something and growing more, learning something and growing more appreciative of what we have been blessed with. It's hard to appreciate a land that you did not fight for. And Joshua is speaking to this people. And he's trying to remind them of some things. And he takes them full circle to Shechem. To bring that level of thankfulness and gratitude to their hearts. We have to realize that when we come to church, when you come into this place, we really didn't bring anything with us. We're actually just returning some things to God who gave it to us. Because if God doesn't give it, we couldn't bring it. If God doesn't breathe out, we can't breathe in. So when you come here, you're not bringing anything. You're just returning it back to the God that gave it. I wonder if somebody with thanksgiving and gratitude in your heart could just return some praise to God who gave you the blessing in the first place. Somebody says, well, I'm just going to bring my tithe and offering. No, you're not. You're going to return it to the God that gave it. Stand up and clap your hands and lift up your voice and give him a high praise right now. Come on, if you feel blessed today, praise him. If you feel like God's been good to you and your family, give him a thanksgiving praise right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can remain standing while I bring this message to a close today. Somebody told about giving an offer. No, you're not giving it. you're bringing it, and you're returning it to the God that blessed you with it. It's already, everything I got's God's. Because if he don't give it, I don't have it. Does anybody feel like that today? Word of the Lord said in Joshua 24 where we read our text today in verse 7. And when they cried unto the Lord, somebody say cried unto the Lord. He put darkness between you and the Egyptians. It's not the visible things that Joshua was talking about. It's the things they can't see. He brought their attention to a time when darkness, somebody say darkness. Some of us need to thank God for what we can't see. Not for the car that we drive. Not for the house we live in or the clothes we're wearing today. But I just want to praise God today for the things that He's done inside of me. I just want to praise God for the invisible miracles that's in here. I wish somebody, if I walked up to you and gave you a billion dollars, you'd take a lap around this building, do three or four flips and twirls and be all happy. But why don't you thank God today for the grace and mercy that he saved your darkened heart with? Come on, Holy Ghost, I don't have the new car and I don't have the new house. But I've been blessed. I said I've been blessed. I said I've been blessed. Thank you, Father, for the things that should have happened but didn't happen. Thank you, Father, for keeping me all of these days because you've been watching out for me. In the 12th verse of Joshua chapter 24, after he set the darkness behind them. somebody say behind them. The Bible says he sent hornets before him, which drove out the enemy before them. Even the two kings of the Amorites. It wasn't with a sword, it was not with a bow. I sent hornets. God sent something ahead of them to weaken their adversary before they ever got there so that the land he had promised would be easier for them to possess. And God is telling us that whatever tomorrow holds, I'm already there. I don't care what's in your future. Your God is already there. He is weakening every mountain that stands in your way. He is weakening every enemy that stands in your way. He's already making a path where you think there's not a path. That's why we're going to praise him today. That's why we're going to thank him. Because our tomorrow has been taken care of. Because God has done stepped into our future. And he's making a highway. He's already trodden the path. I want to open up the front of this building today. We're going to come. Everybody come. We're going to come. We're going to thank God. This is going to be a service of thanksgiving for where we're going. Some of you, you're looking in your future and you're saying, God, I don't see a way. I don't see. All I see is trouble. All I see is confusion. All I see is craziness, but could I tell you God is already sending something ahead of you to weaken the enemy of your tomorrow. I said he's already sending something ahead of you to weaken the enemy of your tomorrow. So what are you gonna praise him about? I'm gonna praise him because I know a God that begin a good work is gonna be able to finish the good work that he started. Lift your hands all across this building right now. Father, in your name, I pray for this group of people, this glorious group of people that's in this house today. I want to say thank you, Lord, for bringing us a mighty long ways. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you're going to bless us. Your writer said to choose you this day, this day, this day, this present moment. Not the day when it gets all worked out. Not the day when you don't have to fight anymore. Not the day when you don't have to struggle anymore. But he said, go in and praise him for this day. I said, go in and praise him for this day. Come on. We're not going to praise him when it all gets better. We're going to go in and praise him now. We're going to go ahead and worship him now because he's making a way into our tomorrow. Thanks, thanks I give Come on, lift your hands and sing it with them. For all sing it from the top God. of your love. I am so Father, we're blessed. My soul. in you Jesus take a hold of the hand hand next to you and hold it up high and say thanks thanks, thanks. come on no weapon I say no weapon formed against thee shall prosper I speak a word of faith to somebody today I want to tell you your tomorrow is in good hands because your Lord holds your tomorrow. Things you've been praying for, he's making a way for you. I said he's making a way for you. He's making a way for you and your wife. He's making a way for you and your family. He's making a way for you and your children. So go ahead and say thank you, Jesus. I'm blessed. Come on, lift your voice and lift your faith and say thanks. something you're thankful for. Thank you for another day, Jesus. Thank you for making a way where there seemeth not to be a way. Thank you for being on my side, Lord. Thank you for bringing my children back to church again, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go in and praise you like they're already here because you've been good to me, Jesus. You're so faithful, God. I want to thank you for the things I cannot even see today. I want to thank you, God, for making a path, Lord, where there seemed not to be a path. And I give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Clap your hands. Give him an ovation of thanksgiving right now. Thank you, Jesus. gratitude in your attitude today put a little gratitude in your spirit and let it take you through the week this next week get a hold of God's unchanging hand and have faith and confidence that he'll take you all the way to the end of this thing God bless you today shake a few hands make a few people feel special if somebody needs prayer pray for them and build their faith in Jesus Christ today